Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Juliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. If you have your Bibles, would you open to Leviticus? What an interesting book of the Bible to preach from, Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 20, verses 7 to 8, and uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. You know, I, I, love, I love doing Alpha with, um, with new people. Uh, yesterday, we had the Holy Spirit Day, and I'm just so grateful to all of the volunteers that help out in Alpha. And uh, yesterday, we had all these new people that were sitting there receiving salvation, receiving the Holy Spirit. But with new people, when you give them a book in the Bible and they've got their Bible, they actually go to the index to find out where the book is. And that's when you know you've got a new person when they go to the index. And you know what? I'm happy for you to go to the index. It's okay. Go to the index. I'm just glad that you've got a Bible. I'm just, uh, anyway, so Leviticus, the third book of the Bible says this. Verse 7, consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes and perform them, for I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And if you look in the margin of your Bible, you'll see there that the Hebrew word for I am the Lord who sanctifies you is Jehovah Mekadesh. That word sanctify is connected with holiness, but it's connected with setting you apart. And setting you apart is to do with God's desire to make you unique. See, this is the beautiful thing about God is that He wants to set us apart for His service. So Mekadesh is more than just being holy. Sanctification is more than just being set apart. It's actually to be set apart for holy use. It's to be set apart for God's use. And so when we come into the New Testament and there we see that God wants to make us the temple of the Holy Spirit where he wants to reside within us. It's such a powerful, such a powerful descriptor. But you know, right from the beginning, we see God's desire to set people apart for him, to have a unique people. And so when you open up the Bible to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, what you find is that in creation, God says, I want some unique people, different to all of creation. Now, you've got to understand that, that God already had the seraphim and the cherubim and the elders and around the throne and the angels. He already had that. But he wanted to create a creation in his image, totally unique to all of creation. Everybody put your hand on your heart and say, I'm created in God's image. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're created in God's image. You, you, you've got to get this. Because if you don't get this, everything that I say today won't make sense. Of all of God's creation in the whole universe... You are the most unique. You, the, the, no angel is created in God's image. 
No seraphim is created in God's image. No elder around the throne is created in God's image. But you are. Humanity is created in God's image. And so he created us in his image so that he could connect with us and relate with us and fellowship with us. See, in God's heart, this uniqueness that he's given us is connected to relationship with us. And so, you know, I've got so much to say, so little time to say it in. But just let's, let's push the turbocharger. Are you ready? Because you are all intelligent people. And so I'm going to go hard, fast, and furiously this morning. And so, so here we go. Genesis, Adam and Eve. And he's got, wow, finally, I've created what I want. People in my image. And so we have this incredible picture of the cool of the day. God stopping all of his stuff in the universe coming to the Garden of Eden to relate to Adam and Eve, just to chat with them in the cool of the day, just to have this relationship. How awesome is that? And you know what the enemy did? He said, I hate that. I hate the fact. I hate it that God loves this. I'm going to get to God. I'm, I'm, I'm going to separate them. And you know what he did? He, he separated. He placed sin in the hearts of people God had made them holy. God had made them set apart. But the enemy brought sin in, and sin separates you from God. And so all of a sudden, that which God loved was broken. Then, then a few chapters later, we have someone come onto the scene called Enoch. Who, who remembers Enoch? And, and Enoch got it. He got it that God wanted a relationship. He got it. He got it. And so he... He walked with God. He talked with God. And one day, God so loved this relationship that he said, Enoch, you're not going home. You're coming to my place. And he was no more because God took him. How awesome is that? Then, then we come to Moses where, you know, as Ewan said this morning, God started to introduce Moses to holiness and the importance of if you want to connect with God, you've got to be holy. You, you've got to... You've got to remove the stuff that separates so that God can have this relationship. And, and what we find is, I love this scripture in Exodus 33 verse 11 that says, God spoke with Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. But what's sad is that the children of Israel only saw the works of God. But Moses saw the face of God. He was able to connect with God. So what about you? Where, where do you sit in all this? Well, where do you sit in all this is, is that his God's trying to draw us into sanctification, into holiness, into setting us apart so that we can be his special treasure. And so when we come to Leviticus, what we have is God calling a people together. It's not just individuals now. It's a group of people, the children of Israel, and saying to them, I want you to be my holy people. I want you to be my special treasure above all the people of the earth. And in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, God actually calls them his special treasure. He actually says to them, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God, chosen to be a people to himself, a special treasure above all the people of the face of the earth. And so here's all of humanity. And God says, I want special people that are unique. 
and separated and drawn apart. And then what God says is that I will actually enable you to be separated. I will enable you to be different. And so what we find is God imparts holiness to us if we choose to be holy. He imparts it. And so he's God saying, I'm choosing you to be my special people, but you need to be holy. And I will make the way for you to be holy. You've just got to say yes to being holy people. Everybody say, I'm going to say yes to being holy. What a beautiful thing it is to be holy. And so what we have in the Old Testament, we have the children of Israel and, and, and God makes a way for them to be holy. And so he, he, he enables them to be holy. And, and one of the ways to be holy was the cleansing of sin through blood sacrifice. A lot of people don't get this. See, a lot of people think that you can be holy by just doing good things. But God says, no, you can only be holy through blood sacrifice. And you know what? We got the progressives that get really upset with me preaching on blood sacrifice. Because their whole attitude is, no, good, good, good things. Social justice. That's what we need. More social justice. Let me tell you, there's only one thing that can wash away sin. It's not social justice. What can take away your sins? The blood of Jesus. It's not by works that you are saved. It's by God's grace that he channels into the blood of Jesus. And what we find is throughout the Bible, this theme that the blood is that which takes away sin. How many remember the story of Cain and Abel? Cain was the first progressive. His whole attitude was, no, I'm going to give God the best of my veggie patch. And his Abel saying, no, I'm going to give God what he wants, blood sacrifice. And what does God do? He accepts Abel's sacrifice and rejects Cain. But Cain gave it with, with a nice heart. He gave it with a good attitude. You can't give God what he doesn't want. Why would you give God when, what he doesn't want when you can give him what he does want? And so what we find is that you come to Leviticus and, and God's saying you shall make yourself holy. And there he establishes all of these laws and and, and in, in amongst the laws is the blood sacrifice. He actually introduced the children of Israel to it with the Passover lamb, where they had to take the blood and sprinkle it on the doorposts of, of the house. And when the death angel saw the blood, he passed over. And that's where we get the word Passover, because the blood sacrifice is what God wants. And you say, but why does God want blood sacrifice? Because sin equals death. Something's got to die to pay the penalty for your sin. And this is where the connection is. Is that, is that the wages of sin is death. People don't get it. But you know what? When you come to this church, you're going to get it. Because we're going to preach the Word of God to you. Unadulterated Word of God. So you come into the New Testament. 
God makes a way. He makes a way through the blood of Jesus. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 talks about the blood of Jesus. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, have fellowship with one another, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from some of our sins. Is that what it says? Oh, I better quote the word right. For the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from How many sins does all include? All. So you know what the devil will want you to believe? That you've committed the unpardonable sin that God can't forgive. The Bible says he forgives you from all sin. How wonderful is that? There is The blood of Jesus is so powerful that it takes away every stain. There is not one stain that he can't. But what we don't get is that obedience is then the second step. Now, I, I want you to understand this, that Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. So obedience has to be step number two. We are not saved through works of obedience, but we do works of obedience because we are saved. So there is no, you know, the blood of Jesus Christ plus. No, it's the blood of Jesus Christ full stop. It's not the blood of Jesus Christ plus keeping the Sabbath. No. It's not the blood of Jesus Christ plus all of these rules. No. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Full stop. It's by grace that you're saved. But now that you're saved, God says, show me your salvation through works of obedience. And so we, we now that we are saved, we have the Holy Spirit, we want to obey. And this is where we walk in holiness. We walk in righteousness. Come on. You know, we, we got to get this because obedience will take us to this next level. And so, so what we have is this connection between God and holiness. We also have this connection between God and love. How many of you know for God so loved the world. So God is not just a God of holiness, but he's also a God of love. What's interesting is that the Bible says to us in 1 John chapter 4 verse 8 that God is love. How many of you know that? But God is also holy. And what we can't do is disconnect holiness from love. Because when we see visions of heaven, Isaiah chapter 6, we get a vision of heaven and we see the throne of God and we've got the seraphim around the throne of God. What are the seraphim saying in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3? They're not saying loving, loving, loving is the Lord God, even though God is love. What are they saying around the throne? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. In Revelation chapter 4, same deal. Now we have the elders around the throne. And the same thing, they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so what we can't do is separate love from holiness. So this is, this is what happens when you have love without holiness. That's when you have liberalism. That's when you have the anything goes type church. Because God is love, he accepts anything. And so we've got churches being established all over the world that, that you know, through love condone sin. And because the whole attitude is, because God is a loving God, he'll accept anything. And, and, and how dare we preach against sin? Because that only makes people feel bad. 
And you Christians have been making people feel bad forever. We're just changing everything and we want to make people feel good. Well, guess what? You've got to feel bad before you feel good. And that's what leads people to salvation, feeling bad. My sins have separated me from God. So we're not a church that only preaches sin. We're a church that preaches forgiveness of sin, that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you, that God's heart is, I want fellowship with you, but sin has separated you from me. Let's remove the sin so we can get the fellowship. Are you getting this? Because this is the essence of the gospel of Jehovah Makedesh. So, so we have love without holiness is liberalism. And then you've got a whole bunch of other churches that just preach on holiness without love. And so they leave the love factor out of. So they're focused on the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, the justice of God. But they've left the love factor out that love is God. As soon as you do this, you become legalistic. And so on one hand, you've got the liberals. On the other hand, you've got the legalists. And guess what? When I was a kid growing up, I think there was a lot more legalism in my um, band than anything else. And it was just so scary living amongst legalists because there's no joy in a legalist. The only joy in a legalist is if you keep the rules. And that's just such a heavy way to be able to join the two together where God lo God's love provides our separation. And that's when we become God lovers. What a beautiful thing it is to be a God lover. And your whole attitude in life is, Lord, I'm pursuing you because I love you. I love, I love that passage of Scripture in John chapter 4 where, God, where Jesus is talking to the woman at the well at Samaria. I just love that because it talks about worship. And then in John chapter 4, it basically says that God's looking, that God is, is seeking for those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And it's like God's looking for the true worshipers. God's looking for the God lovers. Not only looking for them, but craving for them because God's desire is this fellowship to be able to be set apart. See, God wants you to be set apart to have fellowship, relationship with him, to be able to bless you, to be able to embrace you, to be able to do this amazing relationship. Jehovah Mekadesh is the Lord saying, I want to set you apart. I want a chosen generation. I want a special people. I want that. And, and we, we have the New Testament version of special treasure in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, where God says, you're my chosen generation. In the Old Testament, special treasure. In the New Testament, chosen generation, chosen people to be set apart from him. The ones who stand out from community, the God lovers. What a wonderful thing it is to be stamped. I'm a God lover, unashamedly a God lover. I don't care who sees me worship. I don't care who sees my, my unbridled passion for God, my enthusiasm for the things of God. I don't care that my hands are lifted up. I don't care that I do a bit of a twirl every now and then. How many of you are twirlers? <laughs> ah, just that, that whole abandoned love and passion for God. That's what God wants to separate people from him for himself. And 
when he gazes over the balcony of heaven, where are my God lovers? Where are my true worshippers? Steph Croft, one of my true worshippers, one of my God lovers. And you know what? You get attracted to other God lovers. Why is that? Because we've got something to talk about. We've got something to relate to. How awesome is that? We're set apart for him throughout this world and throughout eternity. And then when that happens, God says, can I give you my peace, Jehovah Shalom, my peace, my peace. Judges chapter 6 verse 22 is the story of Gideon. He's locked up in the wine press and he's locked up in the wine press threshing some wheat because he was afraid of the Midianites, he was afraid of the enemy. And God reveals himself and says, come on, you mighty man of valor. I've called you. And he says, who are you talking about? Can't you see that? Where are the miracles? We're smashed. These people are just putting us down. And and then God just reveals himself to Gideon and changes him on the inside. And in Judges chapter 6, verse 24, Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. You know, you know what I love about this scripture? This is what I love about this scripture. That nothing changed on the outside. Nothing at all. His whole outward scenario, nothing changed. There was still war. There were still enemies. Nothing, not one skerrick of difference between God meeting up with him and God afterwards. The only thing that changed with Gideon was his perspective. The only thing that changed was what was happening on the inside. And because that changed, he got peace. Can I tell you this? That God will not place peace within you by changing everything around you. The peace that he wants to place within you is regardless of what's happening around you. And I think if we can get this, that the shalom peace that God wants has nothing to do with your outward circumstances. But the world basically says you can only have peace if everything changes on the outside. Well, guess what? That ain't going to happen. If anything, it's going to get worse, not better, on the outside. Hello? How many of you read the Bible regarding the last days? How many of you know that on the last days it doesn't get better, it gets worse? Rumors of wars and earthquakes and all sorts of stuff. It's just, it's going to get... So, so how can God's people live in peace when all this stuff's happening on the outside? Because that's the gift that God wants to give you. God wants to place his peace within you. We, 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 you know, I, I tell you, one of my heroes in the faith was a lady who's now passed away. Her name was Frances de Sodi. How many of you remember Frances? She was my hero. Why is that? Because she was a peace, even though she was a quadriplegic. I mean, we remember the day that Frances became a quadriplegic. We went to visit her at North Shore Hospital the day she got run over and became a quadriplegic. And do you know what? She was more at peace than we were. We were, we, we were agitated. We, we, you know, oh, Francis, we, we are so, so, oh, what a terrible thing. What are they saying? Oh, and, she, and, and you know what her soul was saying? All is well. First words she spoke to us, she said, all is well. 
Her, her outside world was in absolute turmoil, but inside she was at peace. And this is the amazing thing. When, when we did a funeral, we had person after person after person that testified saying, whenever I went to visit Francis, I went there to encourage her, but I left more encouraged. Why is that? Because she knew Jehovah Shalom. She had Jehovah Shalom living on the inside of her. See, peace comes when your mind is focused on him, not when your mind is focused on your circumstances. Isaiah 26 verse 3. I need for you to read this. I need for you to get this. Isaiah 26 verse 3. You will keep him. You will keep her in perfect peace. Not, not, not temporal peace. We're not talking about worldly peace. We're talking about perfect peace. And what's the condition? The condition is that your mind is stayed on him. Come on. That's why we give you these bands. How many of you got one of these? How many of you got more than one? How many of you got a whole collection of them? And they go from bright white to dirty yellow. How many of you have, 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 have found that after a few showers, the words sort of, you know, come off? Huh? You've got it? Because God's got it. See, the thing is this. We want you to wear it, not because you haven't memorized it. How many of you memorized the words? God's got it. You've memorized it. doesn't take much to memorize those words. But we need to be reminded constantly. It's not just one day that you get it. It's not just one message. Oh, Pastor John preached on this two and a half years ago. God's got it. I need to, you need to get it every day. Why is that? Because every day the enemy wants to steal this truth from you. Every day, the enemy wants to come to you and say, stop focusing on God and start focusing on your situation. And as soon as you do that, you, you start to feel agitation. You start to feel the stress. You start to feel the anxiety. Come on, I'm speaking to some people here. Some people that are suffering anxiety. Some people that are suffering from stress. Some people that when you hear some bad news, all of a sudden, your hand starts to shake. I'm speaking to you. And this is what I'm saying to you. God's got it. And you need to stop looking at the situation and start causing your mind to focus on Him because He is the God of the turnaround. He is the God of the turnaround, Herbie. It's going to turn things around for you. And that anxiety, and, and sometimes it's like your stomach just ties up in knots. And you say, God, I, I just don't know what to do. Just keep your mind stayed on Him. And he'll, pick, he'll, he'll keep you in perfect peace. That peace will come. That peace will come. That peace will come whose mind is stayed on you. You know, this is, this is what Jesus is referred to. He's referred to as the Prince of Peace. I love that in Isaiah. When he's first introduced in the prophecies of Isaiah. And, and, and the word comes out and you shall call. His, his name shall be called Emmanuel. And then it goes through all the names of Jesus. Prince of Peace. Philippians chapter 4 verse 9 calls him the God of Peace. Ephesians 2.14 says... Not only is he the Prince of Peace and the God of Peace, but he's our peace. He's my peace. He's my peace. In John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, Peace 
I give to you. He's the giver of peace. And in Mark chapter 4, verse 39, he is the peace in the storm. While they're in the midst of the storm and the disciples were full of anxiety and full of stress, Jesus got up in the boat in the middle of their storm and he spoke the words, Peace! Be still. And I speak those words into your spirit right now. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I declare to you, Jesus, the peace giver, is coming to your situation and saying, stop focusing in on the bad news. Stop focusing in on the voices around you. I'm going to give you peace. 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 Come on, just close our eyes and just open up the palms of our hands to heaven. Jehovah Shalom. Yahweh Shalom. The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. You will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Lord, right now, I speak peace to the storm. I speak peace to the agitation. I speak peace. Peace, peace, peace. Peace. A peace that the world cannot give. A peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that can only come from the Prince of Peace. We need to make a shift today. Come on, if you need peace in your life, I need you to stand to your feet. If you need peace, just stand to your feet right now. Those that need peace, peace. Those of you that have had a lot of agitation and stress and anxiety this past week. See, for some of you, the agitation and anxiety is is coming from looking into the future. And it's like, I'm, I'm out of control here. For some of you, it's, it's looking into the present. I'm out of control here. Some of you have looked into the past and said, I don't know how to resolve this. And it just creates anxiety and stress. It's just anxiety and stress. But see, what Jesus wants to do right now is that he wants to give you peace. 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 I want you to do something prophetic. See, see, everybody put your head down. Just bow your head and close your eyes. I need for you to do something prophetic. Because by looking down, what you're doing is that you're looking at your situation. You're looking at your problem. You're looking at what's creating the stress. And prophetically, with your eyes still shut, I just want you to begin lifting up your head from the ground and start lifting it up where you're looking up, 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 up. With your eyes shut, what you'll notice is that there'll be more light as you start to lift your eyes up. You start start to sense more light. It's like it's light, 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 light. See, God's giving you hope. God's giving you hope prophetically. I'm speaking prophetically that God is shining light in the darkness. God is going to turn your situation up. He's going to turn it around. He is Yahweh Shalom, the God of peace. He wants to baptize you in peace today. I speak peace into your situation.
in the mighty name of Jesus. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.